Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Jordan, so much to talk about. You got to watch a preseason game with fans. That was exciting. Uh, so cool to see everyone there. Yeah, much more exciting than the game. But we'll get to some of that, because there's a lot to talk about, even though most everybody on the two deep didn't play. But there's still a lot to talk about with some of these positions. So, no, we're going to get into that. Raiders are in town this week for a couple of joint practices and then Saturday's preseason game. So that's exciting. But Jordan, I don't want to uh, miss the great story that just went online this morning, Monday morning on The Athletic, on the app, the website. If you're not a subscriber yet, make sure you sign up because you are missing all of Jordan's great work, and you don't want to do that. But Jordan, story you had this morning, just awesome on Aaron Donald. The Athletic has been counting down the NFL 100, uh, meaning the the top 100 players in football history, which is yeah, important. Yeah, not, to not the crappy one. The crap, not the crappy one that like everyone argues about every year. Right, but right. The actual no. history. This yeah. is a big one. And and you've done, by the way, you had a great story on Merlin Olson a few days ago. So people should go back and, and check that out if they, if they haven't already. But Aaron Donald checks in at number 24. And I want to talk about that a little bit too after, after we uh, talk about the story. But uh, Jordan, a fantastic idea, first of all. You went to the Rams uh, and asked Sean McVay to come up with his five plays uh, to, to best demonstrate why he loves to coach Aaron Donald. And not only did you get five, but what happened from there? <laughs> yeah, you know, nobody overachieves like Sean McVay, I think. <laughs> you know, that was the funniest thing to me. And, and like, I, I still am chuckling about that. And it's not, it wasn't just Sean, but Eric Henderson, the Rams defensive line coach. Um, I'll just refer to him as, as Henny henceforth oh wow pun intended <laughs> henceforth in this podcast um i'll just refer to him as henny because that's what everyone calls him um and he was the one who made this compilation play video for sean mcveigh after i um after i put it put in this request i put in this request probably in Oh, it was probably in May. And I knew everyone's getting out of town. We knew the the Athletics been running this the entire summer. So we knew at that point that the people who did vote, which is a compilation of um, our Hall of Fame people uh, who are on our voters who are a Hall of Fame voters who are on staff and um, a couple of other editors make these decisions. So I got an email and, and I was told, hey, you have Merlin Olson and you also have Aaron Donald. And when I saw, and I know we're going to get to this in a second, but when I saw him at 24, I was like, hmm, seems like he should be uh, like 
under 20, in my opinion. But, you know, but at the same time, like, and we're going to break all of that down here in a minute. But for the context of the story, I also was like, well, he's currently playing. And this is a historic list. So a lot of these guys are not going to be current players, right? And so, first of all, monumental achievement for him to be on this list while he's still playing because we do sort of recontextualize people and players after they have retired, after they've made the Hall of Fame, that kind of a thing. But in this case, he's still playing. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to – you can't – there's nothing more to write about Aaron Donald. He's a great person. He is the best football player on the planet. And there has been phenomenal, tremendous stories written about him. Um, I can think of – I think it was Gary Klein who wrote the the Pittsburgh weight room story of him, how he trains in Pittsburgh. And just, um, you know, I know that there's just been writers who have covered every angle. And and Aaron, the, the great thing about him is he – like he just he's about football and his family. And so, you know, what more what more really is there to say? And so I was like, well, you know who probably would have a lot to say about this? <laughs> it's kind of the guy who bases a lot of his decision making around Aaron Donald, and that is Sean McVay. So um, it was really cool that he gave me the time, um, probably a career highlight for me in general to be able to sit in a film session and get the time to sort of see football through the eyes of that person who happens to be um, very, very smart, well-respected head coach in the league. So that was very cool. But for, for me, just seeing how the, the most important part of this, and I hope it it's documented well in, in the article, the most important part of this was, of course, Aaron and, and his total dominance. Like, Sean McVay literally put this clip up, this sequence of of 31 plays. They didn't have, they didn't come up with five. They had 31. <laughs> um, he put this sequence up of these 31 plays, and he couldn't help himself. He would just start laughing sometimes because Aaron was just wrecking people on some of these clips. And you can go check out our our Ted Wynn did just a, an extraordinary job. We obviously it's NFL propriety that we cannot have the actual full clip that Eric Henderson made, um, but. Ted Wynn, so of course, so I'm scribbling notes down as fast as I can, down distance situation, what's happening. I'm, I'm obviously writing down everything that, that Sean's saying and, and um, asking questions and processing. But then I turn some of those notes over to Ted, and Ted is like such a, such a genius. And he is so brilliant. And he um, pulled out and extrapolated some of these moments. And those are clipped into the article with little explainers as so that people who aren't maybe super granular into studying film can actually see the sequences happening and, and what is happening and why it's important. Um, so big shout out to Ted for doing that. And I'm, I know I'm like going in all kinds of different directions, but I'm so excited about this story because it was months in the making. And I really, really appreciated these guys helping. And, and the thing that stood out to me was when I was watching that clip, and maybe someday they will release it, when I was watching this 31-play sequence, like – it was so meticulously and joyfully made. And it's hard to explain what I mean by joyfully made. But it was, Henny sat down in his free time. They're, they're about to open camp when, when this interview happened. Henny sat, sits down in his free time and he puts together this clip and every single one has a comment or a note about Aaron. And and the beginning of it starts with Aaron Donald, the greatest of all time. And, you know, it just, it, it was so joyfully made. 
And to me, that is the big thing about Aaron that we will discuss more when he does, when it is time for him to go into the Hall of Fame. Because you cannot quantify what a player does as a human being in terms of just that permeation of total and complete joy to coach and to be around. And that is something that is so underrated. And a uh, Rams fan asked me this great question today where he was like, when you were covering another team, when you were covering the Panthers from afar did, and w- looking at Aaron Donald from afar, did did you s- see this level of greatness? Like, obviously, you saw greatness. But you see the, and I said, you know what? It's the same opinion of, like, how good he is, but the layers of, of it are deeper. The layers of what is underneath that greatness, having that context and seeing it in person, and particularly with a project like this where you can really just – you know, it's like coming out of these guys' pores how much they love Aaron Donald. And and it just was very cool to see. And I think you obviously cannot quantify that. Um, I disagree that he's 24. I love our voters. I respect them. But I disagree that he's 24. Um, I think he should have been under 20. But it's also like I don't obviously have a vote, so I don't have to make that very difficult decision. Um, but it, it's it just was... Those types of things, when it comes time to make a case for Aaron Donald getting into the Hall of Fame, I hope whoever is lucky enough to make that case includes that because that is something you cannot quantify, but it is everything. It is everything. Sean McVay says in this piece, if I don't win this guy a Super Bowl, shame on me. Yeah, yeah. That's the quote to me. That is that is so awesome. And you know, the thing that I loved most about this, Jordan, I think, and, and of course you didn't, you didn't have the ability to get into 31 plays. I, I think that would have taken you a month and it would have taken poor Ted, you know, he probably would have uh, lost his hair try, trying to do all of that. But, but the thing that I loved was that in the plays that you did go through, people would think, oh, Aaron Donald, it's the sacks, right? It's about pressuring the quarterback. I'm, I'm not even sure you you did one sack in in this in the story that you did. Um, it was all about breaking down how just good technically he is and how smart he is and how he does all of the little things. Because when you see Aaron Donald highlights, what do you see? You see him blowing up an offensive lineman and, you know, surrounding, uh, engulfing a quarterback. Like, that's what you see when when the general public watches Aaron Donald highlights. But when you read the story and go through uh, the, the, the uh, screenshots and everything, it is, he does so many things well. And so many things, by the way, that I don't think you can teach. And and you can talk about great coaches that he's had, and Sean McVay's one of them, Eric Henderson, Wade Phillips, uh, Brandon Staley, now Raheem Morris. I mean, he's had some outstanding uh, coaches in his time, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you could sit every one of them down and say, yeah, I can't teach Aaron Donald how to do that. Uh, it's, it's just who he is, and it's who he always has been, and it's probably what people didn't see when they drafted him, they looked at this guy who was a little stout, a little undersized, and thought, eh, well, I don't know. I don't know about putting that guy in the middle of my defensive line. And then, you know, what happens all these years later is you just see a guy who just is is pretty much unstoppable for, for all these reasons. So, yeah, Jordan, tough. I mean, any of these voting lists, ah, gosh. I mean, and we don't know. You could get to the next 23 and be like, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> there are 23 really fantastic players in in, in 
in NFL history, but you, when you just look at the defensive players, like I'm, I don't know, I'm going to be surprised if there's any current defensive players uh, who who make this list ahead of Aaron Donald. I certainly hope there aren't, uh, because I, I think he should be at the at the top of that list at least. And yeah, I don't know if we if we do this list. In, in another 10, 12 years or, or whatever, I, I think he's higher than that. Yeah, absolutely. And the the funny thing is, too, is like I, I would never volunteer to be a voter on one of these lists oh, like because yeah. it's so hard to do because how do you I mean, and and they obviously put a lot of time into it. So I'm, I'm not com- trying to come off as flippant when I say like, well, I disagree with it. But I just think that I can see the trajectory of how we're starting to understand football better as well. Like I kind of compare it to how now Aaron Donald is consistently in the conversation as, you know, defensive player of the year and perhaps even in MVP conversations moving forward and into the future. If he, you know, obviously can, can put together completely dominant seasons as he has in the past because, and, and with the, the DPOY, it was less of an argument to me. Because people, I think, are understanding a little bit more what it actually is he does for the team. And I think we're we're starting to understand football and have better and more information out there and have better resources out there that have this dialogue where you can really see if a team has to take an entire day out of its weekly game plan just to plan for you, probably a very good football player especially if it's not the quarterback. <laughs> like, I think, you know, it's it's just, it's really interesting to me. Um, and so I think that, I think that that's why I see it, you know, could have been, could have been closer to, you know, the, maybe the 20 or 19 right now. Um, and, and even further, in my opinion, as we sort of um, will look back and reflect on some of the things that he not only has accomplished to this point, but will probably continue to accomplish for for a while. Um, he just turned 30, but uh, everybody is saying he looks exactly the same. So oh, <laughs> to yeah. me, he's like entering his peak years. That's that's or his prime years. That's like that's what it, that's what I think. Um, so it's fascinating. It's fascinating to to consider and, and talk about. But um, but yeah, that was that was funny this morning, Rich. I was like, oh my God, I hope people don't think this is 24 on like a current, like, I don't right. even know. We don't, a, a Ram staffer asked me like, well, do you, who's number one? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> they don't, they didn't tell us. So I, I have no question. idea. So I don't, I don't know if there's any current play. I think probably there will be at least two current players and I'm sure we can guess who they are. Yes. Um, who will be on this list. But um, I don't, I don't personally know um, what, how the rest of the list will shake out. But um, yeah, it's just it's fascinating stuff. And um, man, what a fun, fun piece. Um, obviously, a lot of work, but just the mo- one of the most fun pieces. And parts of it, I just laugh at. I just laugh. I mean, and yeah. Rich, you you know how it, how it goes when writing. Like you just get sick of stories sometimes. Like you're it, you work on something for so long and you give it so much attention that you just hate it by the time it comes out, right? Because you've just looked at you've just looked at it too much. But this yeah. one, every time I opened it to work on it, I just would I just would laugh. I just would start chuckling to myself and probably looking like a crazy person, especially working on it down in Irvine in the in the Starbucks where I set up my office for the week before right. practices. Like just just a true delight to see some of the things that they very intentionally and like I said, joyfully picked. Um, to sort of showcase how they how they feel about Aaron and what they think about him. 
Yeah, and and great stuff in there. I mean, good on uh, good on Sean McVay for for taking that time uh, to to sit down. Good on Eric Henderson for for doing all that. Because yeah, I mean, this is uh, it. Uh, I said on you know Twitter this morning, it's it's a privilege to to watch this guy. And I don't mean to be fawning about any individual player, but you know, if you're a, if you're a fan of football, I don't care if you which team you like or. Uh, you know who you cheer for individually but uh it, it, it's a privilege to be able to watch a guy like this you're you're going to look back years from now and say wow i got to watch aaron donald play in the same way that you know people look back and, and talk about some of the greats in in sports so um this this is you know it, it's i don't want to oversell like it, it but to me it's it's almost like a, a piece of history you know that the people are going to be able to look back on and say wow this guy was one of the greats and and this this shows why and again i just love the fact that there was such a variety of the plays, and that speaks to uh, the the amount of time that Eric Henderson took in in breaking down this stuff. He didn't just look at the at the flashy plays that always end up on the highlights. He he really dug deep into some of these plays. That like there was one that was like, oh, it was a it was a six yard gain or something like that. But it really showed like how smart this guy was. If you just watch that play live, you might think, oh, they gave up six yards. But then you then you break it down and see how smart and and how uh, aggressive Aaron Donald was, and you say, wow, that that was a remarkable play. So love that kind of stuff because it's not something that you see uh, when you watch live and it might not even be something that you see when you watch on replay. Uh, it's, it takes a coach to kind of kind of break that down. So uh, excellent job by, by both of those guys and, and everybody involved here to, uh, uh, to, to give you that kind of access and, and to give all of our readers uh, that, that kind of information. So loved it, loved it. Make sure you check it out if you, if you haven't already. Uh, it's on, you'll be able to find it easily on the athletic app and website, the Rams page, the NFL page. Uh, it's part of our uh, NFL 100 uh, package. But uh, Jordan, uh, Aaron Donald was uh, not in uniform on Saturday. When the Rams opened their preseason with a uh, loss to the Chargers, I don't even. I, I tell you what, Jordan. It's Monday morning. The game was less than forty-eight hours ago. I don't remember what the score was. Was it thir- Was it thirteen to six? Thirteen to six. Chargers. Okay, I got it right. Okay. Yeah. Who yeah. cares? Right. I don't. And we should I wasn't start even there. Sending score updates, which was funny. In my article after my post game article, uh, the risers and fallers, and then a couple notes from the game, which you guys can go check out over at the athletic. I was like, oh, I don't even have the score in here, and then I added it. <laughs> I added <Yeah>. it later. <laughs> Yeah, I, that that's that tells me everything I need to know. I mean, I know people like it, it, preseason game thirty eight. I counted them up from the from the game sheet. Thirty eight Rams did not dress for that game, or at least did not appear. So basically, you're talking about the entire two deep plus plus more um, goal. Of the preseason, as always, avoid injuries and and evaluate. Um, so Jordan, I mean, what did you think? I mean, I know you gave your thoughts extensively already in your, in your column, like you mentioned, and the, it's funny, the names that I wrote down during the game were almost directly, uh, in line with, with the ones who, that you mentioned in your, uh, in your column, but, uh, couple standouts, you know, who, who do you think, um, helped themselves the most heading into week two of, of preseason and who is going to need this week with the joint practices against the Raiders and then Saturday's game, who is going to need that to kind of bounce back a little bit and, and get back in the good graces of the coaching staff? Yeah, well, they, they obviously are really trying to figure out what they have in terms of depth on the interior offensive line. I think there are a couple concern points for me. One of them is I still don't think they have good depth at center. 
Um, we obviously have covered the Brian Allen, Austin Corbett situation and um, had a blast with that. It feels like a year ago last week when we recorded that podcast. But yes, the Rams only did just switch centers a week ago. Uh, it is that is uh, still a thing that happened. Um, but, you know, Coleman Shelton, he kind of had a rough start, but um, I thought he got better as the game progressed. And that's kind of what you hope for your offensive linemen. So still some developing to do, but um, I definitely do have concern about their interior offensive line. And then Bobby Evans, I mean, it just, you know, McVay shouted him out after the game as someone he thought played really well. Um, I think there's a situation that we covered this when we talked about the Austin Corbett move back to right guard. Um, It kind of became pretty clear, you know, that that certainly, even though nobody would come out and say it on the record, like, yeah, that was pretty clearly some motivation was there. They were concerned about the right guard position and Austin Corbett is their clearly their best right guard. So, yes, that did factor into Brian Allen moving over into center uh, and not to take anything away from Brian Allen playing better and being stronger and healthy, of course, which, again, like it's all all things at once, which we which we talked yeah. about. But, yeah, that's I mean, the fact that they did not they they held out so many players that it was kind of glaring who they didn't hold out. You know what I mean? Like other than, other than rookies, but specifically as it pertained to the offensive line, it was kind of glaring who they didn't hold out. And then at the same time too, I mean, other than I think Tremaine Ankrum, because I think that maybe if they'd had their preference, they would hold him out. Cause I think they really like him as a depth guy, but they don't have anyone else to play right tackle. <laughs> so right. Yeah, you know, what are you going to do? Put a tight end there? Like, you know, you have to <laughs> you have to have somebody playing right tackle for you. So, um, yeah, Tremaine, I thought, looked really good. Um, you know, they didn't even play Joe Noteboom, really. Alaric Jackson, undrafted free agent, he, he played left tackle. Um, so, yeah, I think and, and I think it's the run. The run game, too, was really a big concern for me. But like. For me, I thought that was a little bit more reflective of the interior offensive line than it was reflective of the backs. And I also didn't think these running backs, Xavier Jones, Jake Funk, um, Otis Anderson, um, Raymond Clay uh, had, a, had a great night. We'll get to that in a minute. But I thought that was more reflective of them not really being able to get into any sort of a rhythm. They each, they, the max carry share was like seven carries. They had, uh, I believe it was uh, three negative rushing plays out of 24, which is not great. That's one negative play every eight carries. Not great. <laughs> um, so I think that was reflective more of the offensive line than it was um, what these what these young backs are able to do. But I think those were my I think my more pressing worries coming out of this game was that sort of depth, especially on the interior how it reflected on the run game. Um, and then I think we're going to dedicate a whole section to this at the end of the podcast, Rich, but obviously special teams uh, had me on a roller coaster of emotions as well. Oh boy. So. Oh boy. Are we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What'd you think about those things that I just mentioned though? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I even tweeted about the, the offensive line and uh, I mean, look, great point, Jordan, about, you know, who didn't play. And that was one thing that grabbed me right away when you saw Bobby Evans starting at right guard, I kind of went, oh, oh boy, uh, because, you know, this guy went a, a week earlier, basically, he was the starting right guard, and then he went to being the backup right guard, and then he went to playing 
in a preseason game in which, again, pretty much everybody who is on your two deep uh, is is getting held out, except for maybe the running backs out of out of necessity because they needed somebody uh, to, to to play there. But uh, he ends up playing uh, quite a bit. Bobby Evans does, and I I took that as maybe one of two ways uh, on on the on the negative side. Certainly, it's it doesn't look good when it, certainly your five starters and then your your most uh, valuable backup in Joe Noteboom are not playing, uh, but yet Bobby Evans is in the lineup. That's not great. Um, But on the other hand, I thought maybe it's an opportunity and maybe it's a way for Sean McVay to say, hey, you know what? No, you're not probably pleased with this, but here's your opportunity to go out there and and show us and play well. Uh, I know Sean McVay shouted him out after the game. I I don't know. I'll, I'll trust. <laughs> I'll trust the coaching staff. I know that they look at the video. They have access to the all twenty-two and all that. So um, let, let's just say, from my end, I I didn't. I wouldn't consider Bobby Evans a standout in that game. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what what the coaching staff saw on on their videos and their cuts and things like that. But yeah, the the depth a little bit of a concern. I mean, I I, I will make the point and and I'll shout out. Uh, uh, one of our one of our great readers, Philly Ram, on on Twitter, who pointed this out to me, um, that you know these these five guys are not going to be playing all together at any point. So, no, it was kind of um, like who do we have who do we have that we need to plug in? Also, right. we need someone to play right tackle. So sorry, Tremaine, we're going to have to have you suit up, even though we probably normally wouldn't. <laughs> So, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's hard to look at. And say, oh my gosh. Well, the you know the second unit offensive line isn't isn't that good. Well, if you ever have all five of those guys on the field at the same time, something went really, really, really oh, wrong. Oh man. Um. So, but but again, you you want to see some of those entry. Like I said, Tremaine Ankrum thought that that was good. Uh, it showed that that you know he could maybe could fill a role if 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 need be. So, um, saw that as as a real positive. But yeah, I I don't know some of some of those depth issues were uh were a concern to me other positions i mean you covered this at length jordan but um was really interested in the quarterback the way that that broke down um they ended up uh, as you kind of knew that they want might do uh, split a lot of the time with with doc hodges getting the the start and and then bryce perkins coming in and then duck came back in and bryce came back in so they they kind of rotated those guys with obviously matthew stafford not playing and with john wolford um still working his his way back uh, to to health so what did you what did you think there first of all i mean granted we're we're talking about what might be a third quarterback here. And we're not even entirely sure that the Rams would keep three quarterbacks um, on the roster. But the way I saw it, Jordan, and, and the way that, you know, based on the reaction from fans and people, um, that was that was a good game for Bryce Perkins. And I'm not sure that we saw a whole lot from, from Duck Hodges that's going to convince anybody that, that he needs to make that roster as the third quarterback. Yeah, Bryce Perkins played great. I think that the Rams are facing a little bit of a predicament where considering how certain teams are searching for good backups right now, other teams are searching for um, great young developmental quarterbacks. Um, People will, you know, go to great lengths to make sure you have a backup quarterback 
or you should be considering everything we've seen happen in the league in the past that you should have a great backup quarterback. I, I don't have any doubt that that backup spot is still John Wolford's. I think that if Sean McVay could offer John his appendix, if he really needed it, he would have been the one to have the <laughs> appendectomy instead of John. So I think uh, that's, that's a, you know, that's probably going to stay the way it is, but they have a predicament because I don't know how easy it is to stash Bryce Perkins especially after he lit up sports center <laughs> you know right. like he that was an amazing play first of all people who've been watching Bryce Perkins for a while which um he is from the same hometown as me so I am probably just a tad bit biased but um been watching him since he played in, in high school and um he's been doing that <laughs> you know that's just stuff he's he's yeah. been doing um and especially it coming on a tough third down and, and all of that, I thought that it was electric. And I think he played really well, aside from the the highlight reel splash play, the stiff arm in the hurdle. Um, I thought he played really well. He looked really confident when he got into the red zone. Obviously, he threw the, t- the only touchdown pass of the night. Um, and on the converse, I thought that Duck Hodges looked uh not sure of himself in the red zone when he had an opportunity, the Rams had a goal line opportunity. Um, and, and, you know, they had a set of fresh downs at the goal line and they failed to, to score any points because duck threw um, an interception. I'm not going to make a duck through a duck pun, um, because right. that has been done. Right. Uh, I'm not going to do it, but, right. uh, he, hey, he Jordan, <laughs> maybe it wasn't his fault. Maybe it was just a bad call. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so bad I didn't think of that. I'm like going to be bitter about this today, Rich. Um but uh man, that that really yeah, quacked. Sorry, me. I didn't mean to throw you off there. No, it's fine. Yeah. You totally quacked me up, so I appreciate oh. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, we we had to have one of these moments. We haven't even gotten to the kickers yet. We had that right, one of these yeah. Um, but the the th- the throw was late and it was forced, and so I think that that's where that that sort of maybe not so sure of himself. The, there's just a difference. Bryce has been in this offense for a year. He's been learning for a year. Neither of these quarterbacks have run this offense live yet because remember Bryce did not have a real preseason last year to do so. So it it was um, it was really interesting to see all the things that Bryce has been working on in terms of his feet, being a patient thrower in terms of um, things developing before taking off and and running because he had to do that so often when he was in high school and in college, and so that kind of becomes a, a reaction. Um, he talked a lot about working with Kevin O'Connell on his feet and having um, feet that are not necessarily quiet but that are aligning and setting in, in the ways that they, it should instead of sort of being having that twitchy um, fight or flight kind of uh, mentality. It's really like hmm. we say quiet feet, but it, they're not quiet because they're obviously constantly moving, but quiet in the sense that they're not just cutting and running or taking off. They're they're very intentional with their movements and, right. and all of that. And I thought that was great because I think that he um, has so much potential. They really like him. I, I've said before, I reported last year and said before on this podcast, like, they were ready. He was active at the late, very late in the season. They were ready to run change of pace packages with him if they needed yeah. to, um, and they just they just didn't end up doing it because of obviously what we know now about uh, the other quarterback situation. And right. um, you know, so I think that it was really it, it was really really good um, to see him him do that. This just is a predicament though because I I really you're going to keep playing him through the preseason. It's obviously a couple more games to go. 
where they're going to continue to split reps. And so we're, we're obviously reacting very early in the process, but it would be tough to stash someone who has maybe that kind of development potential and certainly someone who can make those sort of energy changing catalytic plays the way that he did. Yeah, great point, Jordan, because I was just about I was getting ready to say like, oh, maybe these last, you know, two preseason games, you let Bryce Perkins run with it a little bit more and see what he can do. But if you're going to if you're going to be showing, you know, 31 other teams what he could do, that might not be the best idea if you're trying to stash him um, as, a, as a third quarterback. So I'm not really sure, you know, what what's going to happen there. And uh, John Wolford, you know, probably will be back by some point. And I, I assume they're, they're going to want to get him some reps. Uh, it, they're it, not playing him the entire preseason. And that's not even totally mm-hmm. due to. To his his appendectomy, which, by the way, insane moment where you realize that football players are way tougher than you oh are gosh. or ever will be in your yeah. life. Because I ran into John like three days after he had the surgery coming into the facility in Irvine. And I was like, so, oh, my God, dude, that's so scary. And he was like, oh, no, it's fine. It didn't rupture or anything. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> right, okay, yeah, good, yeah. good, good for you. Happy for you, I guess. But oh my god, still very scary. And he's like, oh no, no, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, no, they, they, they definitely are, are different. But you breeds. could have died literally, but okay. <laughs> Sounds yeah, good. no, that, that, that there's a lot of pro athletes. I, I covered a lot of hockey, and one time a guy took a, a skate blade to the face. Oh my and, god! And uh, I talked to him in the locker room the next day, and I'm like, you know, dude, like. <laughs> What what was that? What was that about? And he's like, "Do you want to see the picture?" And he's like, runs into the dressing room to like get his phone. And I'm like, um, "Not really, but you know, I don't want to say no here." So yeah, the, you're dealing with people who are are not cut from the same cloth as as you know people like me who stub their toe on the on the corner of the bedpost and you know are incapacitated for a half yeah. hour yeah um, he's like oh yeah no it's fine when they sliced me open and removed an organ from my body it was still fully intact so everything's fine yeah yeah okay so really, <laughs> happy for really you disappointed <laughs> i couldn't get back on the football field yeah like- yeah. Uh, well, well, that is interesting. And I, I certainly I guess, you know, it does fit with the kind of the, the Sean McVay ethos of of not putting anybody on the field who who you think could potentially uh, play a big role during your season. So I, I guess I understand it. I just wondered whether they might want to get him some some live reps. But again, there, there's other things that you can do. There's practices and uh, things, but uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle um, the, these last couple games, and and you could see. I mean, I know we want to talk about some of these other uh, young players, but you talk about you know some type of package that they could do with uh, with Bryce Perkins. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Bryce Perkins being on the field with like Tutu Atwell and Jacob Harris at the same time? I mean, the, you, which you, direction do you cover? Like, who do you cover? You, yeah, I mean, like... you could definitely see uh, you know Sean McVay's eyes lighting up. The, the potential of of having somebody uh, like that on the field. So yeah, if, you know, not going to make too much out of one preseason game, but uh, definitely agree with with what you wrote in your column, Jordan. That uh, if you have to do a stock up, stock down on the quarterbacks, uh, I, I think it was is pretty clear. But uh, let, let's talk about Jacob Harris, just because I just mentioned him too. Jacob Harris. I mean, you watch this guy a lot uh, throughout the the summer, and now everybody is getting uh, their their first uh, real look at him. I imagine this is pretty much what you've been seeing 
for for a while, and now everybody got to see it in in a live preseason game. Uh, what did he bring, and and you know what kind of role can can he have on this team? When when you're talking about obviously they they have an established tight end in Tyler Higby, who's who's been around uh, for a while and is a trusted guy. But uh, Jacob Harris obviously brings a very very different uh, dimension uh, to to this offense, and and in my viewing, you know, again a very very simplistic. Uh, first look, um, an upgrade over over Gerald Everett and some of the things that he could do is that is that taking it too far though? Well, I think it's he's just able to do more because they're aligning him in different places more so and more often. They're very clear um, what their plan is for him. I mean, that's not it's you know probably one of the worst kept secrets in the league is what you're going to have him do. Although if I do see him go on a reverse at that point, I'm like, well, I, I didn't ever, I never saw one of those. So yes, you did hide something, Sean. Good for you. Um, but one of my favorite things about this time of year, especially when some of these guys do get to play, and and Jacob Harris is a case of a guy who will, and similar to Tutu Atwell um, as well, is a guy who. Even though um, he is going to be, I think, a big contributor to the, to their offense this year, you're still playing him in the preseason because he has not played a lot of football. And you could see it, and sometimes I'll start with the, the negative first because there's not that much negative. <laughs> um, you could see it at times, like some of the spatial awareness, foot placement, um, drag, to, you know, drag toe catches, things like that, that maybe he just comes with experience that you learn. Um, you know, the throws weren't perfect on – either of those opportunities where he was caught the ball just out of bounds. But the way he tracks the ball is insane. I mean, insane. Like, don't look at his feet on those plays. Look at where he's putting his hands and look at where his eyes are. And and both plays, I think, tracking over his shoulder. The one was a bat, definitely an over-the-shoulder shoulder fade um, in the red zone. And the way he's tracking is great. It's, it's really great. The athleticism is there. It's great. Um, it's just the experience stuff, some of the ball security. Um, I think he holds it a little bit loose when he runs after the catch, so maybe something to work on there. Um, he did fumble. They recovered as well. Um, he also like dove headfirst into the pile to try to get the fumble, and a teammate had to pull him off. Uh, so, you know, you like to see that. I think it's like that kind of that special teams ace kind of fire coming out of him. Um, he played on special teams. They're, they're working him in a variety of different ways in, in terms of the coverages and, um, gunner sometimes, and sometimes just like, um, trying to, you know, maybe in the kind of in the middle of the pack, trying to just, um, put a, put a hat on somebody. And so the, the main thing with Jacob Harris, one of my favorite things, by the way, is when, you get really excited about somebody because in the spring when they worked him in all the first team reps because Tyler Higby wasn't wasn't practicing in the voluntary stuff um they worked him into all of the first team reps and aligned him like all over the place and they just threw a bunch of stuff at him and i was like oh my god <laughs> this guy is definitely exceeding my expectations and it's it's really fun when and this goes back to just have, finally having fans in the stands. Like it's really fun when fans got to see it for the first time. Because he also was working back from a core injury through training camp, um, so was somewhat limited through most of training camp. So this preseason game was really where you could see the plan for him start to work out. And the way that I, um, and that's really important because, and I put it in my article is like the hype on Jacob Harris is real. At least the structure of the hype is real because you saw where he will align. Sean McVay accidentally made a really uh, a really bad pun because he described Jacob Harris's alignment as uh, detached from the core, which Jacob Harris had kind of a 
uh, kind of in, core injuries are kind of gnarly and you know I kind of went there first in my brain I was like ooh, gross sounds terrible but um that's really how you describe it he was aligned wide outside some of the three by one sets he was the one on the on the outside like he's detached from that main clump that's you know the box and the line of scrimmage and um and and it just was fascinating to see him align all over the place and came in so often on those third down, like clear passing plays. And that's going to be huge. That will come back down the road because he can convert a third down. And you saw that on back-to-back series, um, or excuse me, back-to-back drives. And it just was, it was fascinating to not just see him sort of um, troubleshoot his own growth in real time and sort of troubleshoot things in real time, getting so many minutes, but also you could definitely see the outline of the plan that the Rams would like him to have. And I'll say one more thing on this, Rich, because um, I've been rambling for a while now, but the um, the tight end position to me, and, and I think it, I think you almost have to, kind of like how we, we do it with the receivers, you kind of have to say it's like, well, it's actually, okay, the umbrella is tight end, but within it, there are two different types of tight end position within it. Johnny Munt is one, and I think Bryson Hopkins is going to be another, and that's why he's in my followers in, the, in this column because um, clearly Jacob Harris is going to be the passing threat that they thought Bryson could be, but Bryson came back to camp and changed his entire body type. Like He looks more like the traditional like tight end fullback kind of like he put on some good weight. He looks like he can put someone on their ass. Like he really, um, and, and has had that sort of enforcer role on special teams. And so I think that that's where you start to differentiate the types of tight end. If you, if you find that you, you maybe have a player who you think is better as that mismatch in the passing game, which Jacob Harris clearly is that player, then you, you definitely need to figure out a new way to use the guy that you drafted the year prior. So that's kind of where I'm seeing this thing with Hopkins shakeout. And um, so I think there's two types of tight ends in this room. Well, maybe three, because Jacob Harris is like, I don't even know what (laughs) you you need a new name for it, for what position he will play. Um, But but so there's the Tyler Higby, the pass catcher. And I think Tyler Higby sort of is like the intersection of the Venn diagram on these where he can he can block in line. Um, He's got the size and the physicality, but also he can run routes and and align, you know, pretty much wherever. They're probably not going to throw him out wide, but he can definitely align and and run routes out of the out of the out of the stack and, and all of this stuff. So. At the same time, you have a guy like Jacob Harris, who's also going to be in the passing game. And then you have guys like Johnny Munt and like Bryson Hopkins, who are going to, they could they could roll through and catch a pass for you, but more likely they will be in those blocking roles. Um, and, and I think it's been very interesting to see sort of the categories of that tight end position um, and, and sort of, the, so it's, it's almost like you can't really say it's a hierarchy unless you're looking at specifically touches in the passing game. Um, but we don't do things in terms of fantasy football here, and neither do the Rams. Things are not structured by that. They're kind of like, no, we're we're structuring you by what you do for us, not what you produce for us. Yeah, exactly. And that's I think Gerald Everett kind of got caught in the middle. Of some of those things sometimes, like it, there was certainly some skill there, but he didn't show enough consistency. I don't think in in either of those areas. 
that you, that you're talking about to to really have a defined place or a defined uh, trusted uh, role in in that offense. And I certainly agree with your assessment of uh, Tyler Higby. And I, I think you know good on him for the way that he's kind of evolved over uh, not so much the last couple of years, but from his draft year, maybe in his first couple of years in the NFL. I think he uh, he did find that consistency that maybe he didn't have uh, when when he was a rookie, and then that's why he's um, you know locked into that spot. But uh, yeah, I mean. You don't look at a guy like Jacob Harris and say, oh, yeah, he's going to be that all around tight end right now. No, he's, he's going to fill that role exactly uh, what you talked about. And it'll be interesting to see if Bryson Hopkins can uh, find himself a little bit of a, of a role there, too, especially when you talk about special teams and, and being aggressive there. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting position uh, to see what they uh, do there. And it'll be a numbers game. Uh, some of these other positions, how many are you going to keep? How many offensive linemen are you going to keep? How many receivers are you going to keep? is something we didn't even uh, talk about because a couple guys, you know, Tristan Jackson had a had a touchdown catch and, and uh, yeah. you know, uh, played played well and, you know, obviously well, Tutu Atwell. Yeah, and I'm sorry to interrupt you on that, but we yeah. did I did forget to open this with some of the news. So Ben Skoranek uh, fractured his forearm. Right. Uh, there's, he had surgery today. Um, this is Monday when we're recording it. So he had surgery today. There's no timetable on the return, but obviously unlike some of the guys who can be clubbed up and play through arm injuries or whatever, you kind of need your arms as a receiver. So I don't know what his timetable is, but if the Rams do, uh, for example, IR him, they, I I believe that they were going to keep him, uh, and, and on the 53. And I also believe that they want to keep Tristan. Um, so in, you know, and this, I'm not trying to sound like messed up by saying this because it's, it's horrible when anyone gets injured and that looked like really painful for, for Ben. And obviously it's a painful injury, but you also then maybe keep it uh, an extra running back or you have a number elsewhere. You can maybe keep six receivers for now um, instead of seven that I was kind of projecting. And then you keep an extra player somewhere else. So continue with what you were saying, but yeah, that's kind of what the way I see what's what might shake down, shake out now. Yeah, no, and I, I certainly don't think you're being cold about it or anything like that. It's just it is a it is a numbers game at, at some point, and you you have to make you can't keep everybody who you want to keep. Uh, Maybe that's you keep for sure. Three, three quarterbacks now. There you go. So yeah, it's it's those those decisions at the at the bottom of the you don't say the bottom, but you know what I'm talking about. The 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 final decisions that you have to make are always kind of the most compelling ones, and and who's going to help you out on special teams, and and what's a position where you uh, where you really need the depth. Um, so yeah, we've got two more games to to see how those go, and obviously the joint practices are going to be a big part of uh, the the way the Rams evaluate too. So uh, Jordan spent a lot of time talking about the offense, of course, but I, I know your heart is. As always with the defense and uh, the big name uh, who came out of that game for anybody who watched it was Justin Lawler, uh, who, who had an excellent, excellent game and, uh, you know, really um, showed a lot of, of what we've seen from Justin Lawler. And I know they, they talked about it on the broadcast, too, but, you know, just his inability to stay healthy over over the last couple of years. And in, in my view, you know, kind of uh, difficult for him to find a role exactly in, in these defenses that the, the Rams have been playing, the schemes that they've been playing. But certainly uh, looked like he was comfortable healthy and productive uh, on Saturday uh, against the Chargers. So want to get your thoughts on on him also. But also the guy who my eyes kept going to was Ernest Jones. And, and we talked about him a little bit. 
uh, last week and, and and what he could do. And Jordan, you, you made the a very astute uh, observation that, that he was wearing the green dots because uh, obviously most of the, the regulars, again, uh, did not play. So uh, I don't know whether we need to spend a ton of time talking about Justin Lawler because everybody saw what he did. But uh, but what did you think about those two guys? And, and was there anybody else who, who really grabbed your attention on defense? Yeah, Justin Lawler had those those series. He put those series and drives together where he could just take things over. And he was just consistently into the backfield, like consistently beating his man. He like abused a tight end, <laughs> like things you love to see, right? Like just really, you could not, you know, and Brandon Staley, you know, you could see some of the the switches and sort of the schemes and all that stuff. And, and you just didn't have really an answer for Justin Lawler. And yeah, it's a preseason game and, and all of that. But he played so well, like he shouldn't have been out there. He that, That's probably the highest compliment that I could pay Justin Lawler is like yeah. he played like he shouldn't have been out there. <laughs> like he played like he should have been one of those guys who was on the sideline. The reason why he was out there is because he has not gotten a ton of live action, obviously because of the injuries, um, former seventh round pick in, in 2018 and has had a really long and tough road in getting here. And he, you guys, if you have not watched it yet, please go watch his press conference because he opened up in a moment of uh, emotion and vulnerability that um, really, really matters in terms of what this meant for him to be able to be back out there, to have his wife in the stands um, watching. And and uh, a lot of times we think, oh, it's just the preseason, just the preseason. This was everything to him, considering what he has been through um, over the last few years. And I think it also shed a light on some of the ways, and I wrote about this a little bit last year because there's a couple guys who... Um, were were injured and going through the mental part of it. And I think it also shines a light on some of the ways that the Rams um, do talk, have the discussion about mental health through a process like that. The injury, the loneliness of rehab, um, the things that are really, really isolating and difficult. Um, and obviously they have a specialist, Chrissy Coleman, who who's in there. And they, they I think they are having that conversation right in front of them. Sean McVay is having that conversation with Justin Lawler. Les Snead is having, like three men are having that conversation in a hyper-masculine environment that often says, no, you may not have that conversation. Um, they are having it. And I think that, that that vulnerability, him going out and just like literally destroying on several series and, and several defensive drives and then coming into the press room and have and being that open and being that that ready to um, let people in on what his experience has really been like was just one of the more admirable things I've seen. Um, certainly one of the most powerful moments I've I've seen in a long time, and I'm really happy for him. And I, I, when I've been noting Justin on some of his his things that um, you know through through the through training camp and. And he, you could see him stacking blocks together and you could see him, they're putting him a lot on the side, on Leonard Floyd's, Floyd's side when Leonard is not in. You know you know what you have in Leonard as a three down player, um, but Justin Lawler is making a case to also get put on the field in some of those like maybe heavier, um, maybe maybe four, four linemen down packages, some of them when they're in their sub packages, um, making a case to be a guy who could rotate in um, you know, obviously the starters are pretty much established at outside linebacker, but I I could see Justin having some rotational minutes because, again, he looks like he shouldn't be out there. 
So in, in terms of playing in a preseason game. And so I think that it was just really admirable. It was very cool. Um, very happy for him. And uh, yeah, to your question, I, I'm sorry, I, I keep rambling this entire podcast, Rich, but it's just there's so much to unpack in, in this. But Ernest Jones, I mean, you expected him. Some of the things he did, he looked like a rookie in some of the things that he did, which you expected. This is his first live NFL action. But they also entrusted him to call defensive signals the entire game. Um, Christian Roseboom also had the green dot on his helmet. Um, but at the same time, you think you sort of designate those guys um, to be able to do it in case of an emergency. So like Jordan Fuller will still be the guy. But in case of an emergency, you obviously need to have a contingency plan. And Ernest Jones is you could really see him putting things together Um Love the way he moves through the middle of the field. This is something that like scouts have been talking about for uh, the last year, basically, when they've been looking at Ernest Jones is like, watch how he moves through traffic. Watch how he negotiates that space in the box and, and close to the line of scrimmage. Just really impressive. There were a couple things. One of them was a, a sack. Well, should have been recorded as a sack by Justin Lawler, where he carried the offensive lineman with him on his way to chase Daniel. Um, should have been recorded as a sack, was replayed on the big board as a sack. Um, they did not credit him with a sack for some reason in the stats. Um, and then also should have been recorded as, I think, a pass breakup by Ernest Jones. Um, again, not recorded as such in the stats. And I think at, at first it was also attributed to Jake Gervais, who was on the other side of the field. So um, I think you saw some some really impressive things from both of those guys. You saw potential. That's the most important thing to pull out of, of this preseason game is like who, who did what they could considering the situation and did enough to where you can see them putting the pieces together, troubleshooting in real time, um, communicating well, and and in the case of of Ernest Jones and, and Justin Lawler, really making a case for themselves. Um, and and I think as a tandem, you saw by way of who did not play, you saw what the starting hierarchy is for the outside linebackers, um, and also for uh, the inside linebackers. Which, if you read theAthletic.com, you already knew entering into yes. the preseason game. But you definitely saw it sort of um, solidified here uh, when, when you kind of saw some of the guys who were on the sideline. Yeah, a g- great way to, to, to put it, uh, Jordan. And yeah, so many of those guys didn't. I mean, I'm just looking at the list right now, just in, in numerical order of the guys. That's who didn't. so many players who did not play, by Oh the my way. gosh. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but just, you know, you look at Trevin Howard, uh, Kenny Young, Oboe, Troy Reeder, Terrell Lewis, Leonard Floyd, uh, Justin Hollins, Micah Kaiser. I mean, none of these guys played. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, you know, if, you, if you're a rookie, like if you're Ernest Jones, that's not a bad thing. You want to get out there on the field and you want to show uh, the coaching staff what you can do and uh, to be entrusted with that green dot in your in your first live uh, NFL game uh, not a bad thing at all and definitely acquitted himself uh, very very well out there and yeah Justin Lawler I mean yeah it's almost to the point I, I did think at one point like hey they got to get this guy off the field because uh, you, you don't want to you don't want to get him hurt I mean he was only on the field for 
24 plays, according to the uh, official stat sheet, and had uh, five tackles and, and two quarterback hits in, in 24 plays. So that's not a bad ratio at all. And yeah, some of these stats, Jordan, I was looking and hey, look, I know everybody's in, in preseason mode and there's a lot of numbers out there, but I'm like, uh, like at one point they had Justin Herbert with a pass attempt and I'm like, yeah, that, that yeah, didn't happen. It's a preseason so. for everybody. I think I said, yeah. I, I mislabeled something. I said, I, I even did it here in this podcast. I said series instead of drive, like probably about six times. So yeah. definitely preseason <laughs> for everybody. Yeah, we're, we're, all, we're all fine there. But uh, but uh, speaking of uh, preseason and, and oh, needing no. improvement, Jordan, you know, Don't we, do this. we can't Don't do have this. a podcast without <laughs> special teams. So first, let's 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 say that there there were some positives and I would put that uh, in terms of the return game you mentioned uh, Raymond Calais we didn't we didn't really get around to him too much because I I don't like you said Jordan I'm, I'm not going to get too deep into analyzing the running backs uh in a game like that but uh Raymond Calais a nice 46 yard uh, uh punt return and and also had a 29 yard uh, kickoff return also um and uh Tutu Atwell had that return I don't know how many yards it was but it got called back because of a penalty, uh, which takes us into some of the negatives. There were a couple <laughs> special team penalties there that you don't like to see. I, I think it's okay to write them off for now as your first preseason game. Um, you probably don't want to see those continue. Uh, so I'm not going to make too much of it at this point. But uh, Jordan Abtak, always be talking about kickers. Uh, as you as you coined a year ago when we were going through this. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Not what you wanted to see uh, for, from your kickers if you're the Rams. And uh, that includes uh, Matt Gay with an extra point that went wide right. And then I believe his only kickoff attempt um, only got to about the five-yard line or seven-yard line. Oh, that was, uh, I think, Austin McGinnis who took that Was one. that? Okay, yeah. I, I might have written that down wrong. And yeah, and, uh, yeah well, Austin, Austin McGinnis got cut today. So. He did, yeah, yeah. after, after uh, hitting, after uh, clanging the, the upright on his uh, one field goal attempt. And, and uh, yeah, he did have a kickoff that was short. You're, you're right, Jordan. And now he's no longer there, uh, waived today. One of, the, one of the five players who was waived as the Rams got their roster down um, to, to 85. Um, so what do we, what, when, when is it time to panic, Jordan? Um, I mean, you, you've watched, you know, Matt Gay, you've watched some of these kickers throughout uh, training camp and, and all that. We're, we're not going to put too much on, on one kick, but uh, is, is there anything to be concerned about there? And are you surprised that, uh, that Austin McGinnis got waived uh, after, after that one game? I guess I think I'm not maybe as surprised because uh, Joe DiCamillis seems to be extremely decisive and moves swift like the wind, swift with the hammer. And, you know, he he really is like very um, – well, I, I can imagine what his reaction was <laughs> in the meeting room when they were yeah. going over the tape. I think – I don't know him that well yet. I think maybe what would have bothered him more was the fact that the uh, McGinnis shorted the touchback. Um, that was to the point, that was something to the point where I was like, I almost was like, did they mean to do that? Did he mean to do that? Because they wanted to get more guys on their, they want to get more practice on their coverage unit and they aren't, they aren't, they know they're not going to score a lot of touchdowns or something. And so now you're going to take your moment. I think I overthought that, uh, because I'm so used to just 
analyzing the kicker situation um, to the granular level uh, for probably the detriment of um, years on my life. But I think that it, it, I was like, no, 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 no. He shorted it. Like that wasn't intentional. So, right. it, you know, and, and like, I think, oh, and then the the penalty that backed Matt Gay up into sort of, instead of that extra point range, he was sort of in field goal range. And I was like, did they do it on purpose so that he could get a field goal try instead of a <laughs> extra? I was like, Jordan, what are you doing? Stop overthinking this. Abtack, you know, just like... They're just trying right. to. They're just missing kicks, man. <laughs> like, don't, right, right. Don't don't overthink this. So, um, no, I'm not really concerned about Matt Gay. Um, I think you know, obviously, with the the waving of of Austin, um, I think Austin could still come back on the practice squad eventually. They're not going to obviously make those decisions for another two weeks or so. Um, but I think um, I'm not really worried about Matt at the current moment. I think it just looked you kind of just chalk that up to a weird thing that happened. Um, but, and certainly seems to have solidified the job. But where I do con- have concern is obviously the the penalties are not good. But there's a lot of really young guys on that coverage unit. So I also kind of understand the penalties. So we'll see what that looks like. Um, loved the return game. Loved the return game. Raymond Calais yep. and Tutu Atwell. Um, just I thought they played great in in those roles. And I think this is a, a year for Raymond Calais that's important because, you know, with the injury to Cam Akers, obviously their depth at running back is thin. So in years past where they maybe would not have been keeping an extra running back, now you have more um, impetus to keep an extra running back. And, oh, great news, he also is a great returner. And so I think that that's, that's kind of a twofer that they're looking at right now. And that's good. Good for him. He looked great. He's worked with Jody Camillus in the past. And I think that that's that's going to be something definitely to watch. Tutu looked awesome on that punt return. You can tell who is the more experienced player in these in this regard, because Raymond had a punt return and a kick return. And the way that Raymond Calais sort of watches downfield the coverage unfold and then makes decisions based off of that was really cool. And I saw that um, when they were going the direction away from the press box. A lot of times you can't see that when you're at field level, you can't see how those different lanes unfold and everything. Right. Um, so it was cool to see how he was making his decisions in real time from sort of that higher up level. And I think the Rams have some promise there. I think they've got something um, in Raymond Calais. Um, you know, the too early to tell with the punters, you could tell Matt Orchek and um, Johnny Hecker are the ones who are getting the most time together while Corey Barakwez and Steven Wartell are the guys who are getting the most time together in terms of the snapper-punter combo. Um, and, you know, that's going to be something that we still have to watch. Corey Barakwez has a great leg, and he definitely showed it um, on Saturday. Johnny Hecker is Johnny Hecker. Like, and so you know what you're getting from him. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's tough. You're going to definitely have to watch that. And Johnny has been refreshingly honest about his situation and particularly how the finances will probably dictate, um, you know, be one of the major influencers in, in what ultimately happens. Um, you know, I asked Johnny directly. He spoke to media the last week of training camp. I asked him directly, are you confident that you are going to be the Rams punter this year? Um, and he he didn't, you know, he didn't have a definitive answer, but he did say, I- I'm confident that I will compete for it. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily bad or troubling that he didn't have a definitive answer because he is so respectful of Corey. So I think maybe right. you could 
look at it that way where he's like, I'm not going to, you know, crap on a guy who I'm competing with kind of a thing and say, oh, yeah, I'm winning this job. They are friends, but that's what Austin Corbett did when he said he was definitely going to be the center, by the way. (laughs) Um, He and Brian Allen are good friends, but he he definitely was direct about about the fact that he thought he was going to be the center. Anyway, so that's that's definitely just something um, to keep watching. And and I don't know, Rich, I was I, I slacked you this. I was actually out of my seat. The preseason game had a lot of advanced scouts there, which I thought was cool because they weren't that wasn't really able to happen last year um so it's fun because there there were a lot of people there because everybody wants to see what brandon staley's defense looks like with the chargers there are a lot of of afc teams that were there who were like kind of sitting up in the top of the box like trying to see what's going on there (laughs) and 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 everything and um and so i was kind of creeping on that situation so, so i missed so i missed uh oh god i'm like i'm outing myself as such a as such a lurker like such a creep because i just kind of like what what are you looking at i just want to see what you're watching and what you're right, looking at yeah. like what's you know and uh, oh what's what's your notebook what you're writing down on that notebook yeah no so um i know i'm such a weirdo but um but i did not see i know you saw you you slacked me about this i know you saw one of the johnny hecker punts and so i'm wondering if what what your take is on the punter situation yeah yeah, it was still, again, you know, again, a known quantity. And, and I, the other thing is, I, I know Johnny, you know, having covered him for, for so many years here, he he often uses these preseason games to try out different things. Like, yeah. he, will, he will, like, do some funky, you know, release or kick or something like that that he has no intention of ever doing in a, uh, in a, uh, in a regular season game. So I'm not going to draw too many uh, conclusions from that. But yeah, but just uh, in, in neither one of his punts really looked all that. Um, I mean, he had... He had you know, two for ninety-one yards. So I, I, I think uh, one of one one of them was forty-eight. I'm not sure where the oh the other one was a touchback, so it was a little bit um, shorter. But yeah, it didn't you know look didn't look too dynamic with the with the leg strength. But again, a lot of things can can factor into that. But uh, yeah, that, that's one of them where you look at uh, salary cap math, perhaps if it's close. I'd, I'd be shocked. I just, I would really would be shocked if Johnny Hecker was, was not the punter. But, uh, you know, again, we, we've been surprised before and we've been surprised in special teams. So uh, I, I don't know how long that uh, battle will continue. It's interesting that obviously they chose to uh, wave Austin McGinnis today and at least for now declared that competition to be over if it was ever a competition at all. And I'm not sure that it was, uh, but obviously they've kept uh, two punters along with two uh, long snappers to to continue that on for, for a little bit longer at least. So curious to see how that goes, but uh, still have to think Johnny Hecker is, is the pretty heavy uh, favorite there. So, uh, but again, always, always fun to watch. And uh, every time the Rams line up for a kick, it's, it's, it's always an, uh, an adventure over the last couple of years. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. And before we wrap Rich, cause I know yes. um, we've just, there's so much stuff to unpack and um, obviously a huge week. We'll, we'll have uh, next week. We'll make sure that we um, break down some of the, not just the, the Raiders preseason game, but also dispatches from the, the joint practices and the scrimmages, which are happening this week, um, Wednesday and Thursday in Thousand Oaks. Pretty excited about that. And if you don't follow our Raiders writers already, Tashawn Reed and Vic Tafer are two of the best in the business to do it. Um, they do some phenomenal work um, and are super plugged into the team and all of the nutso things that uh, they are doing over there, <laughs> sounds like. And um, <laughs> so that'll be fun to see. Um, but I wanted to make sure to shout out a couple of guys who – 
Um, you know, it didn't get like the big pullout section, but um, still deserved to be mentioned and certainly would merit that. I thought that um, J.R. Reed and Bronte Harris and Juju Hughes, I mm. thought they all had a great game. Um, Juju Hughes, when we talk about playing with confidence, definitely, definitely looks like he's playing with con- confidence in his second year. Got some action um, in, in live games last year a little bit because of depth issues and injuries. Um, so had more opportunities with Nick Scott, who is recovering from a, a knee sprain on the sideline. Was great to see Nick on the sideline with teammates, um, but uh, Sean McVay expects him back by the by the season opener. Um, did not sound like they're going to put him on IR or anything like that, so um, that's good news. Um, Bronte Harris, I thought, had a great game. Bronte Harris and Kareem Orr played great against the Cowboys during the joint practice, so very yeah. good to see them continue that um, in a preseason game. Um, J.R. Reed what, had one of the best games of any of the defensive players, um, Was just looked so sharp in terms of um, getting into position, making plays on the ball, um, hitting really soundly, tackling soundly, hitting hard, um, just maneuvering around the field. looks like he and Ernest Jones have a really good sort of communication in terms of Ernest being, you know, in the middle of the field at that middle linebacker position. Um, and then J.R. Reed being behind him at that safety position and looked like they communicated really well. And, um, you know, I, I also thought that Chris Garrett on defense, I thought he put together a, a, a nice game. Um, he has all of the physical tools, but he just needs to play against pros a little bit more because I think he'll be a really good player, but um, just needs to, to play against pros. And I, I really liked what the Rams interior, the young interior defensive lineman did. Um, Eric Banks, Jonah Williams, Marquise Copeland, uh, Michael Hoyt, they um, they got a lot of push. <laughs> I'm going to put it politely. Yeah. Like they were consistently getting pushed. Michael Hoyt has a fancy new swiping move in the pass rush. Uh, he almost got a sack. Um, he certainly got up in Chase Daniels pocket. He's got a little fancy, fancy new move um, that I, I was texting his, his D line, his private coach about uh, Eddie McGilvera. We did a piece on him before he works with Sebastian Joseph day and Morgan Fox. I was like, where'd that come from? And he just sent back the sunglasses emoji. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So nice. That, was, that was pretty cool. Uh, hopefully he doesn't mind me sharing that because I just thought that was great. Um, but those guys look good. I saw the the spot that Aaron Donald did on the sideline uh, where he praised those young guys a lot. Uh, featuring, you know, in the middle of that great broadcast featuring Mina Kimes, Akib Talib, and Andrew Siciliano. That was just um, so fun to go back and listen to. Those guys did a great job. And I, I definitely think those those players get a shout out. I thought Jake Funk and Xavier Jones ran well in their limited limited opportunities. Um, and considering the fact they didn't have very much room to work with, Tutu Atwell I thought had a good game. Uh, people keep bringing up how like Tutu Atwell can he uh, Sean McVay calls it his bounce back game is strong. That's what Sean McVay says. Um, he he took he took a pretty hard hit and popped right back up. So um, that was a good sign. And so I think those are just a couple of guys who maybe you won't hear a ton out, a ton about um, on a weekly basis, but I thought they they showed out well and they they played really well in their opportunities. 
Yeah, and that's what it's really all about in these in these preseason games is uh, you get an opportunity to get out on the field and you've got to take advantage of it. There's only so many plays. Uh, there's a lot of guys out there, you know, trying to trying to win a job, trying to show themselves either for the Rams or or for another team. And yeah, you look at a guy like uh, you know, or is he only got 38 plays? But I guarantee you, he tre- he treasured every one of those 38 plays. Uh, and Bronte Harris, you know, played a lot, uh, played uh, the most of any Ram uh, on on defense, 52 plays 88 percent of of the uh, play so yeah he definitely showed out and uh, Juju Hughes we've seen a little bit uh, before and uh, thought he played very very aggressive very aggressive play at uh, defensive back there so uh, a lot to, a lot to break down and, and Jordan as you mentioned uh, joint practices against the Raiders on Wednesday and Thursday unfortunately for for fans those are not open to the public I know uh, people love to, to go watch those things like they did with the with the Cowboys but uh, the good news is that Jordan will be there and will have uh, everything you need to know uh, heading into Saturday's preseason game so make sure you follow along with her uh, not only on the athletic app and website but uh, on Twitter at Jordan Rodrigue and Jordan if they subscribe to the athletic through our 11 personnel podcast theathletic.com slash 11 personnel what? Do they get my favorite thing in the world? A great discount, Rich. A great discount. My favorite thing in the world. And actually, I feel like because I am mainlining coffee uh, after uh, (laughs) getting back from SoFi at about three in the morning on Saturday and then getting this Aaron Donald piece ready on Sunday, um, I am feel like I have my oh, my God, my favorite thing in the world is a good discount voice on through this entire podcast. Um, So please forgive me (laughs) if I sound a little bit manic. Um, I am just really, I think, just excited to be back into the the rhythm and the swing of things. And it was so great to see you guys, uh, those of you who made it out to SoFi. uh, I I just, I hope we, I hope we take care of each other. I hope that people um, take care of each other. I know there was a a little bit of a scuffle. Um, eh, That's probably underselling it. There was a big scuffle that went viral on Twitter. Um, And and I just, I just really hope you guys just take good care of each other. We've all been through a lot the last year and a half, two years. Um, Just be good to each other. Um, Enjoy being there and enjoy being around each other and, and um, you know, getting to see some, some cool shit together, honestly. And um, I just, I just earnestly hope, hope that uh, for, for future games that we all just kind of take care of each other. Rich, it's always a pleasure. Um, You guys, we're going to be back on Monday with, with like, with, with what Rich said, all of this, uh, these great recaps of, of everything. Um, In the meantime, leave us a review. We really love reading everything you write to us. Do you have any thoughts uh, on what you're seeing? Definitely leave them in our great comment section. Tweet them at me. Leave them, uh, email them to me or Rich. Um, You can find him on Twitter at Rich underscore Hammond. You can find me on Twitter at Jordan Rodrigue. And again, thank you guys so much. And it is great to be back.